I would draw your attention this evening to Psalm 103. We just sung the first part of that, but I would invite you to stand as we hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 103. Let us now give our attention to the reading and the hearing of God's holy word found in Psalm 103. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust, As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. O my soul. And this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, as we have been making our way through the Psalms, and as we have particularly come to this fourth book of the division of the Psalter, we find uh, particularly Psalms 96 through 106, that encompass this section of the Psalter. But I would draw your attention uh, to Psalm 101, 102, and 103. And I think these are important things as we um, work through the Psalms. Preaching the Psalms is different than preaching an epistle um, because there's so many more things here as we consider the Psalms. But one way of preaching the Psalms and particularly bringing the application from the Psalms is to find the similarities 
and to find the connection between those psalms. And so as you look at Psalm 101, 102, 103, these are what Dr. Palmer Robertson has called a triad. There are three psalms that have a similar theme. And that theme is the kingship of God over all the earth. And so we have seen there in Psalm 101 that the psalmist who is there identified as David sings of the mercy and the judgment of God. And then as he concludes that psalm, It says that the Lord God will destroy the wicked in the land and will cut them off. And so here in Psalm 101, we see the glorious kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, a kingdom of judgment, particularly to evildoers. And so there in Psalm 101, we see that connection with these other two psalms, that the psalmist sings of mercy and judgment and describes the kingship particularly of Christ. But we see in Psalm 102, the psalmist talks about the hope in the unchanging character of God. When he talks about the fact that the earth changes, that the nations of the earth um, plot against the Lord, we find there in Psalm 102 that the Lord shall endure forever and ever, that he will build up Zion, and he shall reign reign as the sovereign king who does not change. And so there's that common theme there. And we see the same in Psalm 103, the Psalm of David, where David gives praise unto God for all of the benefits of his salvation. There, as David describes the blessing of Of that salvation. It's not a psalm of thanksgiving. Some have assumed that Psalm 103 is a psalm of thanksgiving, but there's no supplication. There is um, nothing to indicate a psalm of thanksgiving. It is a psalm of praise. He He is exalting God for the benefit and the blessing of salvation that is in Christ. And so David here gives praise unto God for the great benefits of salvation. Psalm 103 has historically been used in the Scottish church during times of communion season. The old Scottish church, every communion season, they didn't have communion regularly because uh, churches were scattered. They didn't have enough pastors to administer the sacrament. And so they would have those communion seasons. And in those communion seasons, they would sing Psalm 103, recalling the benefit and the blessings of the Lord. The Scottish preacher Horatius Bonner speaks of a woman at the time of John Knox who had heard John Knox preach. And as she heard him preach from Psalm 103, her heart was changed. She was converted unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And as she recalls what the Lord had done to her soul, she recalls His mercy and His gracious compassion. And she says that it's in that psalm that, that Mr. Knox 
preached, that her heart was drawn unto Christ, that she found the blessing of salvation that is in Him. And so here in Psalm 103, we find three things. First of all, we we find the call to give praise to the Lord for His benefits, verses 1 through 2. Secondly, we find in verses 3 through 19, the benefits of that covenant, the benefits of that glorious salvation. Thirdly and finally, in verses 20 through 22, we, call, we see again a call to praise. The one thing to note about the Psalms, I haven't mentioned this before, but one way to understand the Psalms, and this is totally different from our understanding as Westerners, that the main part of the Psalm is always in the middle. The point of emphasis of the Psalm is always in the middle. So we find the meat, we find the, the wonderful blessing of the Psalm there in the middle. Not in the beginning, not in the end, but in the middle. And so as David begins, he, he breaks forth in praise and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Twice David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Here's an emphasis that we find here in Psalm 103, that David declares what is his. David declares what belongs to him as one who is in a covenant because of the Lord Jesus Christ. David praises God for all of his benefits. How richly and abundantly God has blessed his people. This is a this is a praise of the covenant benefits that are ours. Those benefits that we see in the old covenant, those benefits that are fulfilled in Christ. And so David as a type of Christ gives praise to God for those benefits that come from Christ. But notice that David breaks forth in praise Oh, my soul, bless his holy name. David says, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Wonderful privilege we have in receiving the Lord's Supper is having a time to remember those benefits. We are prone to forget those benefits. We go through life and we, we forget so quickly. But David says, bless the Lord and forget not his benefits. Do not refuse to consider what David has indeed found to be true. Yet as we consider the wonderful blessings of that covenant, David here describes the blessings of that covenant. He states there in the main part of the psalm, verses 2 through 19, the benefits that we receive from this covenant that God has made for us. He begins by recalling those benefits. 
when he says in verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. There in the Old Testament, remember what the Lord God said to his people through Moses? I am what? The God who healeth thee. I want you to notice here the the, the, uh, connection between the forgiving of our iniquities and the healing of our diseases. There are those who erroneously teach that the cross of Christ guarantees physical healing. But that is not what David is saying here. He is recalling the curses and the blessings of the covenant under the old administration. And so as Israel um, had um, been delivered there from Egypt, as the Lord brought them across the dry land, as the Lord redeemed them, he recalls that God had forgiven their iniquities, that God alone had forgiven their guilt, that he took away their shame. But you know what? In those covenant curses we find there in Deuteronomy, he said there will be blessing for those who what? Obey and curses for those who disobey. And so those covenant curses are linked to disease. But the covenant blessings are linked to healing. And so he forgives their iniquities. And in forgiving their iniquities, he heals them of those diseases that were put upon them because of the blessing, the curse of the covenant. And so as David recalls that, he recalls that God is not only one who forgives, but God is one who heals. Think of all the diseases connected to this covenant curse that the diseases of his people were healed. And then he recalls that God has redeemed them from a life of destruction. Oh, friend, how many years we spent living a life of destruction apart from the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here David says, He has rescued me. He has delivered me. Because of His covenant love, because of His covenant faithfulness, He has delivered me from a life of destruction. That is your testimony. That the Lord Jesus Christ has delivered you from a life of destruction. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth be with loving kindness and tender mercies. The reason he redeemeth our life from destruction is because of his loving kindness and his faithfulness, because of his covenant loyalty, he has redeemed us. He doesn't redeem us because we are good people. He doesn't redeem us because We have merited anything for ourselves. He redeems us because He has shown tender mercy and kindness toward us. The word that is used there in Hebrew for covenant faithfulness or loving kindness is that word hesed, which means God's tender mercies toward us. 
verse 5, He satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And so David recalls that benefit of the Lord satisfying his soul. Oh, how often we look for satisfaction in the things of the world. And yet only Christ can satisfy us with good things. But notice, he says he satisfies. Our mouths are fully satisfied with good things, not with evil things. And so that by having our mouth satisfied with good things, our life is renewed like the eagle. It's that imagery of of being made new. It's that imagery of being made whole. As I see verse 5, I I think of that wonderful promise of the gospel that in Christ Jesus we are made new. And so he, he continues on with all of these wonderful benefits that are granted unto us. The Lord executeth righteousness, judgment for those that are oppressed. That word execute there means that the Lord meets out righteousness and judgment for those who are oppressed. To those who cannot help themselves, the Lord executes righteousness and judgment. But there he recalls that the Lord has made known his ways unto Moses, the mediator of the covenant of grace under the Old Testament, mediated for the people. He made God's ways known to the children of Israel. And then as he made known to them, he reminds them that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Here's another benefit that is ours in Christ. That he is merciful. That he is compassionate. That his love never fails. That he is always faithful and loyal to his covenant. You had the experience of perhaps having a friend or someone that you thought you were close to and you thought they were loyal and then suddenly they're not loyal. One thing about this God David describes, he is always loyal. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And so as he describes there that God is not angry with us, it's a wonderful lesson when, when our children ask, why is God angry with me? Or someone may say, I, I think God is angry with me. You hear this sometimes. You know what your response is? Oh, no, he's not angry. No, no, God's not angry. Here's a wonderful opportunity to say God is angry with every man. That God is angry with all the children of Adam. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, he turns his anger away. And so we can use that as a wonderful teaching opportunity to tell our children that God is angry with every man. But only in Christ Jesus does he turn away that anger. Notice verse 10. He does not deal with us after our sins, nor rewards us according to our iniquities. You and I should be rewarded. Because of our iniquities. You and I should be rewarded because of our sin. But this God does not reward us according to what we deserve. And so there in verse 11, he describes that as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's 
mercy toward those who fear Him, toward those who turn to Him in faith. Then he describes there in verses 14 through 16 this picture of God knowing our frame. He uses that word frame there to describe our human body, our human makeup. And he says he remembers that we are dust. Those words are often used at a funeral graveside service. Remember, O man, that thou art dust, and unto dust you shall return. But David says he knows our frame. He knows that we are weak. He knows that we are frail. The word Adam means man of dust. And so his days are like grass, like a flower of the field, and then it's gone. The imagery there is that just as the days fly by, just as the flower of the field flourishes, so our days are gone. Wind passes over it, and it, and it is gone. But one thing that does remain constant, and again, this is the theme of Psalm 102, that the Lord does not change, that the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting God. Notice there in verse 17 that God displays his covenant loyalty to whom? To every generation. This is a key promise that we find in Psalm 105, verse 8. There in Psalm 105, verse 8, the psalmist says, He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded unto a thousand generations. And then he goes on and speaks of that covenant with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the patriarchs, that God is faithful to every generation. And so we see the Lord's mercy unto our children and our children's children. This is why we baptize our, our infants, to remind us of God's faithfulness to His covenant, that it is unto our children and our children's children that He keeps His covenant. To such as keep His covenant and remember His commandments to do them. And then David concludes there in verse 19 with the same theme that we saw in Psalm 101 and 102, that the Lord hath prepared His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. So here we find that the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven, that His kingdom rules over all. And so David recalls the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. People under the Old Covenant knew of the faithfulness of Christ. They knew of, the, of the, the sacrifice that He would provide for them. But here, He reminds them that the throne in heaven is that Christ rules over His people. That God displays His covenant promise unto a thousand generations. And then David concludes... There in verses 20 through 22 with this third point, coming back to what he stated in the beginning, that he declared 
his praise and his adoration unto this God to whom has blessed us. And now he considers again that God is to be blessed, that he is to be blessed by his angels, that he is to be blessed by all his hosts. Notice there in verse 21, all the armies of the host of heaven, all of his ministers, all of his servants, all of his angelic beings, all of them that do his pleasure, they are to bless him. They are to give glory to him. All of his works in all of his places are to give praise and adoration unto this God. And as he concludes there in verse 22, he reminds us that all of God's works bless him. That the children bless him. That the servants bless him. That the elements of nature bless him. That everything he has created is for the purpose of giving praise and adoration unto this God to whom belongs all glory, power, and dominion forever. As we think about stirring our hearts unto praise, remember the Psalms are to be used as the hymn book of the church. And as we sing them, we recall the faithfulness of God. We recall that we stir our hearts to praise and adoration. Why should we give praise to God? Well, we give praise because of His goodness and mercy. We give praise unto Him for He has indeed delivered His people. We give praise unto this God for His covenant faithfulness and loyalty. And so as we consider tonight Psalm 103, we remember the benefits of salvation. Oh, let us never forget the mercies and the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let us Give our lives in adoration and praise unto this God, who indeed is worthy of our praise. Let us pray. Lord our God, we do give Thee thanks for all of Thy mercies. We give Thee thanks for Thy kindness and Thy faithfulness unto us. Lord, we confess that we are frail, that we are creatures of dust that we often forget thy benefits, that we often turn away from thee. But, O Lord, our God, we give thee thanks that you do not deal with us as our sins deserve. And we pray that as we consider these things tonight, as we, perhaps in preparation for the Lord's Supper, consider your faithfulness, we ask, O Lord, that you would give us hearts of obedience, that you would give us hearts that would long to worship Thee. Lord, thank You for Thy faithfulness and Thy mercy. We pray that as Your people, we would love You, that we would draw near to Thee, that we would do all that You've commanded us to do, not out of a sense of, of merit, but simply out of gratitude, because of Thy mercies. And we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.